This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking performance coaching. In this country and around the world, there are plenty of corporate leaders who would acknowledge that at some point in their career, they've experienced that feeling of being stuck where they were in their career and not quite sure what to do to move past that point. My guest on today's show is someone who's not only experienced an extreme version of that feeling herself and overcome it, but eventually decided to make a big career pivot, now using her experience to teach and help others avoid some of those same missteps. Christy is the founder and CEO of Vision Finder International, a performance coaching and consulting firm that works with women executives to help them take control of their own careers and get unstuck. Christy's been featured in multiple outlets such as Forbes, NBC, and ABC, to name a few. And she's also an author who's published multiple best-selling books on success and leadership, and if she needed, as if she needed more to do with her time. So with that brief introduction, welcome Christy Rutherford to the Tech Money Podcast. Yay. Thanks, Malcolm. You're so calm. I'm going to try to match your energy. (laughs) No, you're not, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't know this, um, but you're actually living my dream right now. So uh, not that I needed validation, but like if if ever there was a reason to believe in your uh, ability as a performance coach, I am 100% a believer. So you and I were emailing back and forth a few weeks back, getting caught up, all that good stuff. And you just randomly dropped on me like, oh, yeah, I'm in the Bahamas now, Uh, which, you know, I didn't quite appreciate just, you know, so, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, unbeknownst to you, I had just commented to my wife, like right before that, I don't know, two or three days before that, like, I really wish I had known this COVID thing was going to be as big a deal as it has become, because I would have found us a condo in Nassau somewhere, packed up laptops yep. and in a in a suitcase mm-hmm. and been out of here. So the fact that you are actually living my dream tells me that like you are very, very capable in what you do. Not that you needed, you know, reaffirmation from this side, but I that blew me away. And you casually dropped it and I probably said something like, Oh, that's great, great for you. But really really what I meant was I'm done with this right conversation. Don't end. talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I just wanted to get that out there and let you know that I don't appreciate you stealing my dream, but at least one of us is, is living in paradise. Well, you should just know that the dream is possible. So that that's, it should inspire you to say, Hey, if, if she can do it, I came here two weeks before they shut the borders down. So I was in Elutra on a different Island. Mm -hmm. They were like, all us citizens come home, go to a military base for two weeks and then get in the house. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna take my chances. So I've actually been here since March. I'll be back at some point, whenever. That's how I live. There's no rush. Yeah. There's no rush. You're you're not missing any. And I'm in the nation's capital, so I can 100% tell you you're not missing anything but a few (laughs) angry rallies every now and then. I I teed it up somewhat in the intro, but I probably didn't do your story any, any real justice. Like, what did I miss in this long, broad, outstanding resume of yours that we need to get on the record here? I think one, if you would have read my whole bio, we would still be here. We would be here all day, Malcolm. Let's be clear uh, to the audience. I am amazing. But at the end of the day, when people ask me, what do I do? And I typically say, I'm a general hustler and unicorn rider. And it's because we get so attached to our titles and our resumes to be able to create who we are. And, and if the audience wants to check me out, they can go to chrisrutherford.com. But um, you know, I went to Harvard Business School, became an alumni in 2016. I was 13th African-American woman to make commander in the Coast Guard's 225-year history. So I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of cool stuff. Even past the Harvard thing, one of my biggest goals was to become a pastry chef. I've always wanted to be a mm-hmm. chocolate, ma- uh, a master chocolatier. So I ended up living that dream in 2005. So I went to culinary school. Hmm. So it's a good job. I live a good life. Just racking I live in peace. Kind of, clearly, clearly. Um, and you, I mean, you alluded to one of the things I was going to start with, right? Like you had a six figure career working in the Coast Guard, leading a team. And from the outside, I'm sure you looked pretty successful to anybody who knew you, right? All your friends in your mm-hmm. orbit. But I've heard you describe yourself in that moment as being successful and miserable. So mm-hmm. why don't we just start there? Because I'm sure that feeling is not unique to only Christy. What was happening? I had it all, you know, and everybody has their definition of what all is, but I lived on a golf course. I drove a Camaro. I had these things. I had money, power, respect, position, the titles, the rank, more medals that would decorate the Rockefeller Christmas tree because in the military, we wore our resumes on our shirts. I I had a very strong resume when I walked in the room. You knew I was the ish when I came in the room, Malcolm. There was no dispute, okay? Let's be clear. (laughs) But what we don't talk about is most people are miserable, even in their high success. We can't tell anybody. I had a boss, I had this different vision of what I wanted my life to look like, messing around with Oprah in 2009. My life didn't look like that and I didn't feel the way that I wanted to feel. And I always talk about the byproducts of achieving high levels of success. There's a high cost to success. So we're taught to think that money, power, respect is gonna make us happy. But what we don't count on is the unintended consequences of broken families, strained relationships, stress, decreased mental and physical health. We always talk about physical health, but it's a lot of people Mm -hmm. going cray cray. Even in this, we leaders were in trouble and on fire long before 2020 came around. All the psychological mind games that we have to play to keep our position. The quest also makes you do unethical things and it makes you question your character and your values. And and I work with high achievers because people don't understand 
the desire to achieve greatly. <laughs> and and we're a special hmm. breed. Once you have, I would say, quote unquote, everything, then they don't tell us that you're going to start worrying about losing what you got, what you have. You have the big mm-hmm. house. Now you have a baby. Now you have the wife. Now you're stressed out because you have people who are counting on you. And your wife is going to have her own stressor. So that's the stuff that people don't talk about. So I want to give light to it to to let successful leaders know you're not alone. We're humans, but we become everybody's superheroes. But who's going to save hmm. Superman? You're kind of alluding to where I went in the idea of, of asking you on and kind of conceptualizing this episode. Because when we talk to people, our peers, our friends, our family, whoever, we talk about our life stories, right? You ask an older mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. who's in their, you know, 60s, 70s about their life story, they'll start talking about their career and they tend to only focus on the peaks, right? Never the valleys. It's mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. just impossible past maybe the age of like 21 to live life and never hit any valleys. I know you left the military with just a short period left to go before you were eligible to retire with your full benefits package and all those things you're taught to desire when you join the military and go through basic. But that's why I referred to your your situation as an extreme case in my intro, right? Like something has to be going on to make you suddenly say, you know what, forget all the stuff I'm leaving on the table. I have to get out of here to save me. Two things. One, I was so H-E-L-L bent on <laughs> achieving success. Thank you. That PG, I was going PG. to work Yes, yes, so PG, I was going to work myself to death because I had gotten so caught up in proving people wrong. The Coast Guard is mostly, it's majority white male, which which is true for a lot of organizations. Right. When people say, you can't do it, I say, watch me. And I thought that if I did that in my 20s, that they would stop saying it at a certain point. Malcolm, I told you when I walk in the hmm. room, you already know, the queen is in the room. They never stop, <laughs> so I never stopped working. Now I'm working harder to, to prove you wrong. And I got caught in a cycle that I could not save myself from. So I always say I hmm. ran away like Tina Turner ran from Ike in that white suit. I just, I couldn't <laughs> take it. One, I couldn't take myself because I, ca- I got caught in a dangerous pattern of proving people wrong and they never stop haterade. And then the largest problem, Malcolm, is who cares that you have problems? You're Christy Rutherford. <laughs> Mm, you're yeah. you're in the position that people aspire to. I mentored, I don't know, 70 or 90 people in my career. I had what everybody wanted. How dare you complain or say that you have a problem? Many times people talk to the illusion of the person that you created, but nobody mm. was addressing my suffering soul. And I'm like, what about me? I am sick. And if, and if, The coronavirus would have come around in 2012 when I was burning out and I, and I burned out for a million reasons, but I was doing too much and, and I wanted to achieve too much and I mentored too many people to change the, the face of the African-Americans in the senior leadership. But I had a pre-existing condition and it was stress. I was in the emergency room every two weeks with flu-like symptoms. If I would have gotten a coronavirus, I would have been in trouble because stress was my pre-existing condition. I've seen so many people. We've heard of people who work themselves to death. I don't know if we even think of stress and stress related 
issues, right? Because it can shut everything down if it wants to. I don't know that we even think yep. of that as a pre-existing condition, but that's a that's that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other conversation. But I'll kind of pivot to get into it a little bit. But of all the, the different career moves you could have made from there, right? You had to leave and find yourself and make some some decisions, see what works, see what doesn't mm-hmm. work. But what made you decide that coaching would be the right place to direct that energy and apply some of those lessons that you had learned? You know, what's interesting about coaching is coaching that that's who I am. It's not what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am a coach. I've been reading self-help magazines since I was 12. I was the hmm. rational friend that people called on for advice, even in college. Like I, I'm always the person who's gathering data able to solve problems. So when somebody says something, I'm like, oh, I read I read something about that. Let me let me go find this for you. So I've always been that person, even in in the Coast Guard. I'm like I said, I was mentored. Let's say just what's going to the wind. 70 junior leaders with the hmm. with the hopes that they would see their greatness, play office politics, psychological mind games with their bosses. So the whole goal was to get them promoted and get them out of their own way. And that was in addition to the 160 people who work for me. These 70 people are outside wow. of my office. When I heard about this lady and or I heard this lady talk about coaching in 2006 at this conference, I said, mm. wait, that's a thing? <laughs> this is, so you this didn't realize you were giving it away for free that whole time. I didn't know it was a thing. I ended up going to Georgetown. She talked about Georgetown. I went to Georgetown and I just put a, slapped a label on who I am naturally. So that's how coaching came to, to fruition full time. I like to say that finding personal finance because, well, I didn't find it. It found me. But mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. that I like to say it is that I'm very fortunate that my pockets and my passion just happen to align perfectly. And it sounds like you're in the same camp where the thing that you just naturally are really great at found you and allowed you to earn a living doing a thing that you really don't mind getting up every day and 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 doing it. So I, I know how rare that is. I, I also know how beautiful it can be when you find it. Basically, my job as a financial planner is to worry about my clients money the same way I worry about my own. That's I mean, that's and that's easy because I'm I'm constantly worried about my own money. So it, it it works perfectly. And it sounds like for you, your your core capability is seeing the problem, assessing the problem and then giving feedback. It just so happens that that's a thing people are willing to pay you for. I, I, I get it. And then to take that a step further, you even decided you had so much to say that you wanted to write it down and memorialize it and put it in a book and not a book, but 50,000 books, right? I called you an author <laughs> in the lead up, but I think that's putting it a bit lightly because I understand that you wrote all of these books over like a 10 month stretch. Walk us through that. Like what the heck was happening in your, in your world that you had that much to say in such a tight period of time? I've written 15 books. I've only published nine but I did publish five uh, in eight months. So slight exaggeration when I said 50,000. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only 15. Joyce Meyer has written over 120. I'm chasing her number. Joyce Meyer launches a okay. book every month and I'm like, come on, come on, Joyce Meyer. You're <laughs> killing me, I'm trying to catch up. What was happening was when I left my career my four, I had a boss who harassed me in the end. People always say you let this man run you out of your career. I was like, my mm-hmm. force was already on fire long before he came. He was just the one Matt that was 
too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm already on fire. I, I ran away for about a year, worked with the network marketing company. And then in 2013, I just stopped. I had been offered, I think, 10, 15 jobs by that point. And I knew that I was psychologically unemployable. I knew that I was broken. And I knew that I was bitter. And I knew that I was running. And I said, Christy, you can get a job right now, but there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fix it. And then you can get a job. Because Malcolm, think about it. I had everything already. I had the money. Like, what is the job going to do for me? Mm-hmm. I had those ready. And that's how I started to get clear on. But what did I give up to get the money? I stopped. And when I stopped, I shattered in a thousand pieces. I, it took me three and a half years to get my mindset back right and my health back right. Wow. And I could really dissect to a very grainy level. What did I do wrong? And I'm so transparent about it because... When I talk about the strained relationships and the family and the the mental and the physical health, we don't know, high achievers don't know how bad we are and we don't know how much we're on mm. fire until we're forced to stop. That actually sounds intense. I know to your point about high achievers, considering myself in that camp too, usually extreme is the only way you do things. So you either yeah. extremely do not do it, right? I know that's not grammatically correct at all, but you extremely don't do something or you extremely do it. And it's no real in between. It's like, if I'm going to get involved, I'm going to get involved to the, to the max and to your point until you finally collapse on the floor and now you're in the extreme can't do it category because you literally physically can't can't get up and do it so i completely get that one and i hope that the self-awareness kicks in to say hey something's wrong here and allows folks to that pivot it doesn't though it doesn't well well it doesn't naturally necessarily but it does if you have a coach or a guide which is where i kind of wanted to go with that one anyway so i'll kind of pick it up and go there, if you will, on a broad level, what is performance coaching and how do I know when I need it? Performance coaching is a broad term, as you just talked about. I have a niche going after women who were just like me nine years ago. I know what burnout looks like. I know what it sounds like. Hmm. I know what exhaustion is. And I remember talking to this lady a couple years ago and she said, Christy, could you tell when you saw me? Tell what? <laughs> Tell basically that I had all these shattered pieces of my life. But from the mm. outside, she looked really good. She had a Chanel brooch, Prada purse, <laughs> you know, probably a $2,000 suit on. She was the, the general counsel for blah, blah, blah. She had it all aesthetically, but inside mm-hmm. she shattered a mess. And she said, Krista, could you tell when you saw me? And I said, you know what? When I see high achieving women, I automatically assume that you're shattered. You have to show me that you're whole. (laughs) So you got this thing twisted. For me, my goal and my gift is to be the person that I needed eight years ago so I could finish the race. When I was talking about how most high achievers don't stop, I've talked to people who've had heart attacks and ended up in the emergency room and had strokes. But Hmm. I do have clients, one of them in particular that I told her that if she didn't resign from her job, I was going to come sign her out. Like your parents come sign you out of school. Oh my God. (laughs) Because she was not going to make it Malcolm. And that's the thing is that I, I know what it looks like. And I'm like, you think that you're in trouble now. I know what shattered mental health means. I did it. 
And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I didn't like a lot of people in 2012. So really, how do you know you need it? Performance coaching is, for me, it's about getting your health back in order and getting your peace back in order and getting your home back in order. And the byproduct of that is executive presence. It's hmm. confidence. It's fearlessness. We have, since June 2020, $1.25 million in raises. Five of my clients have doubled their income, 150 to wow. 300, 200 to 400. The thing about it is we keep thinking that if we get another degree or if we do more projects, then they're going to open the C-suite doors to us. But women are so yeah. exacerbated and going in circles, they think that you're going to break or you're angry. So they don't open the door. Once you get yourself back in order, they, they open the door freely and offer you a great package to come and join them in the C-suite. I want to I want to dig into that one a little bit deeper, but I don't want to lose okay. a thought that I had a little bit ago when you were talking, because it reminded me of something I read in an interview that you did while I was doing some background to get ready for this. You mentioned that women executives specifically, so your group that you like to, to specialize with tend to be successful without feeling successful. I got reminded of that when you started talking about the designer bags and the designer brooch and the names of the designers. I can't even remember this far away from when you just said it because <laughs> that like that's so far removed from the scope of what I follow. Why is that, in your opinion, that that women executives specifically tend to be successful and not feel like they're successful? You have to understand, Malcolm, and this is what I am now starting to talk about more about the work that I really do because people can understand it now. So I call it trauma default. All quote unquote self-made successful people have something in their childhood that drives them to achieve high levels of success. There is something that happened. And it and when I talk about trauma default, it's funny because people are like, you're not talking to me. I'm like, no, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Vice president of blah, 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 and the chief marketing officer. No, I'm talking to you. There's something that happened and it's not the trauma that you would think is not physical. Maybe you weren't beat up or your parents didn't abuse you, but it could be something that somebody said that you want to amount to much or your mom was an mm -hmm. alcoholic. So you learn how to be very quiet in your home. Or if you're a teenage mom, I had a client who was a teenage mom who had her head down and working to make sure that the baby had pampers and that she wasn't going to become the person that everybody called her a loser that she never looked up. I said, the baby is 30. Hmm. She never looked <laughs> up. That baby isn't a baby. Yeah. The, I mean, 30 years old, but she never, that's her default. So whenever you're in a mm -hmm. situation where you need to negotiate for something higher or for a lot of times when, when we've doubled these incomes and these raises, they get raises and double their income in less than three months. It typically happens in about seven to eight weeks because you're already valued at 400,000. You just don't see mm -hmm. it. You can't ask people to pay you for what you don't even know to be true about yourself. So once they see their increased value, they automatically get their increased value. That's, that's the real work that I do is not about figuring out how are you going to get a raise is figuring out why don't you think you deserve the raise. And that goes back to What's the limited story and the perspective telling yourself on why you can't move forward and why you don't deserve to be happy? Or a lot of women, Malcolm, are afraid to ask for a raise or a promotion. 
95% of women who complain that they don't get paid, they never ask. So what's stopping hmm. you from owning your value and asking? That's the real work that we do. If I understand correctly, in your approach, you teach your clients the importance of making themselves a priority for a season, as you call it, and then getting back to taking care of everybody else. Is that sort of leading itself to what you're talking about, where you do the work for the seven to eight weeks that you just mentioned? I'm just using that as the the time frame because you threw it out there, not holding you to it. But like, is that sort of what you mean or is that something completely different? It's figuring out why won't you make yourself a priority? And most highly successful women make themselves a last priority. This is a total poll. Women are always on the bottom complaining that they're tired. I found a lot of commonalities with women when I was in my brother's house trapped, when we talked about the three mm -hmm. and a half years that, I, that we really didn't go into, why I wrote the books, because I thought I was by myself. I thought that the, the mm -hmm. things that I did I was the only one that was doing them. I was the only one who was mentoring 70 people outside of the 160 that worked for me. This is on top of me doing a crazy job. <laughs> so they would call me on Sunday at 6.30 in the morning and yeah, Friday night at 11 o'clock at night, I gotta step out the club to come address somebody who had a, a, a disagreement with their boss. I was doing too much and what I learned was a lot of high achieving women were doing too much. So we're doing a lot of good mm. things, but we're not doing the right things. And now you come home with smoke coming out of your head. I couldn't imagine mm. being married or having a kid because I have nothing left to give. A lot of these women have nothing left to give their spouses and their kids when they get home because they're exacerbated at work. Once I started to see that we had a lot of the same common challenges, we're keeping ourselves out of the C-suite. Women are keeping ourselves to 30 to 40% paid less in the gender gap, planning about waiting for the men to fix it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. If you get your health in order, if you make get your priorities in order, because if your relationship with your husband and your kids are strained now at this level, but because we're so gripped in to get to the next level, Malcolm, we don't even take into account where we are right now. The next level is going to break it. If you're secretly crazy now and you have high <laughs> blood pressure now <laughs> the next level is going to only exacerbate you can only put put so much weight on a crack it's going to exacerbate it and there's always a next level always the next we're never satisfied so again what what do you have that's not allowing you to be happy despite what you have and i think about tony shea you know what i'm talking about zappos mm -hmm. the zappos guy yep zappos mm-hmm for me, trauma default is all about figuring out what's that one thing that you're holding on to that you keep going back to that brings you all the way back like a bungee cord. No matter how far you go, there's something in your mindset that's going to take you back. I, I've his book, I'm trying to study and I've actually figured out what is the thing that why didn't he feel successful and happy despite all that? Not, it's not just the money that he made. He made significant mm -hmm. impact in the lives of other people. But he was always mm -hmm. chasing happiness. And changed the way we do online retail. If you study what he did for the downtown project in Vegas, though, oh, mm -hmm. just impact upon impact. And what was stopping him from feeling the joy that he brought to so many other people? I am reminded of a book that I read, I think two, maybe three years ago now. I can't remember. But it's called uh, Your Money or Your Life. It's written by, I can't remember the author's name right now. It'll come to me 
at some point when this doesn't even matter anymore. It's Vicky something. It's the lady who is single handedly credited with inspiring the fire revolution, financial independence, retire early. So I like to think that I have a pretty healthy relationship with money, considering this is what I do for a living. After reading her book, the the whole underlying premise of it is helping people identify what their enoughness period is, right? Yes. Figuring out how much house is enough house, how much car is enough car, how much this and that thing is enough. Once you get to that point, allowing yourself to stop and take a beat and just enjoy what you've got. Exactly. Because you're like I said, there's always a next level to be chasing. A lot of times we tell ourselves like the reason that I want to chase this thing is because I need a few extra dollars so I can spend more time with my kids. Right. But then you don't actually spend that time with your kids because the next level means you've got to spend another four to six hours a week out of the house. And then you go to the next level and you spend even less time with your kids or your spouse or your whatever else. And so I would recommend that book for anybody who's listening to this and nodding their head and even has a slight chuckle as we talk about some of these things. I want to get back to to something you were talking about to, to bring us back on task. Speaking of and sort of on that same on that same track, there's an interview that you did for Forbes some months back. It's probably a little bit older than some months, but. You made a statement in there that I consider to be a bold statement along the lines of what you were just talking about, where you said that women have to acknowledge the role that they play in creating their own glass ceiling, which I'm sure set off some fireworks and and created some heartburn in some places. But walk me through that one a little bit. It really goes back to what we just talked about. We're creating our own glass ceilings because we're trying to build a queendom on broken pieces. Hmm. Once you get back to yourself and you get healthy and you get your house in order, I mean, what's the point of becoming the CEO of a Fortune 500 company if your husband leaves you and your your kids don't know you? What's the point of becoming a bull chair of a Fortune 500 company if you have a heart attack six months later? What I've learned and what I've seen again and again and again, Malcolm, is we in our anxiety and our stress and checking all the wrong boxes. We're not even building the right relationship. So you're getting a Ph.D. or a master's degree while Mm -hmm. the men are out on the golf course and playing basketball. And you say, well, I don't do that. Okay, And then you keep wondering why 10 men who have less qualifications have gotten promoted over you. And it's because. People sponsor and mentor who they know, like, and trust. They don't know you. They know your work, but they don't know you. Mm-hmm. Women are doing so much, but they're checking all of the wrong boxes that they're not checking the right boxes. Relationships is number one. And then the second part is playing office politics. I have so many women who say, I hate playing office politics and I refuse to play them. And I said, well, stop complaining mm-hmm. that you're on the bottom. You can't, <laughs> either you playing the game or you getting played. So many women are getting played and they're complaining about getting played, but they refuse to play the game. You have to play the game. And it's not even that hard. And it goes back to because you're stressed out, overwhelmed, psychologically impaired because your brain is melting. No, you can't play office politics. You don't even want to entertain it. And it's all going back to making yourself a priority, meditating, getting massages. It's not that hard, Malcolm. It's not that hard. Hmm. <laughs> um, let's double click on that for a second. So also in there, you okay. talk a lot about 
self-limiting beliefs, right? And I, 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 I'm sure quite a few men also suffer from self-limiting beliefs as well, right? But since your focus is women, I, that's where we've been really focusing in on that. Keep it there. I just want to make sure, full disclaimer, it doesn't sound like I'm making the distinction that women have tendency to have self-limiting beliefs and men don't, right? Let me get that on the record so I don't have any angry follow-up emails after this one <laughs> publishes. But <laughs> what other behaviors have you noticed both men and women tend to display in the workplace that hold them back without them even knowing it? I do coach men. I've, I've actually gotten more men promoted than women. This is, this is part two for me. This yeah. is part two for me. You know, I was in the Coast Guard. This year, six black officers were promoted to captain or they got selected for captain, which is Colonel equivalent. That was my win. I created that mentorship network 13 years ago. So that was Christie's win. But I do have male clients. Actually, one of my male clients just got promoted to VP in nine months. We, we negotiated a very handsome package on the way in the door. He got promoted mm -hmm. to VP with extra $75,000 in his, in his total comp within nine months. To your question wow. on self-limiting beliefs, I speak the language of champions. And when it comes to marketing, okay. why, why do I talk to women? It's because I had to develop a niche because people say in marketing, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So a lot of men mm -hmm. follow me and they be like, man, that's true for me too. I'm like, yes, I know you're a champion. <laughs> I speak the language of high achievers and champions. A lot of men and women don't believe that they deserve to go to the next level, regardless of what they say. Your words have to be in alignment with how you really feel about yourself. And again, those self-limiting beliefs comes from your childhood and where you were born and the challenges that mm -hmm. you have. It all goes back to childhood. It all goes back to childhood. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we're, we're going to have a, 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 another episode following this one on financial therapy. And it's mm -hmm. interesting that I just recently learned that that's even a thing. As long as I've been doing this, mm -hmm. I, I didn't even mm -hmm. know there was such a thing. But one of the, the key tenets in it is going back and learning about your upbringing and the approach your parents and anyone else who raised you had to money and, mm -hmm. and understanding how that influenced the way that you do or don't manage your money, kind of figuring out what those triggers are and working your way through it. So it's interesting that it seems to always when when I have these conversations a lot of times stem back to your upbringing and those first uh those first few pivotal years as a little one but I mentioned before and I, I said it only like halfway in jest uh, about the the angry emails and, and and such you're not shy about unpopular opinions I'll say it that way there's a phrase that I've heard you use a number of times that I always get a chuckle out of I can imagine not everyone can see the humor in it. And that phrase is fight club energy. Mm -hmm. When and why did you coin the term fight club energy? Women who are at work, and it may happen for men too, but I, I know, I know, I know who these women are because I used to be them. There is a difference between having somebody who's never been at the executive level talk about executive level women, you don't know. We're crazy for a reason. <laughs> like, don't talk about me. We're crazy for a reason. Fight Club energy is when you aren't fully embraced and respected in your organization. And a lot of women are either aggressive or passive aggressive. Both are equally dangerous. 
we hold ourselves back in a large regard because if you're sitting in a room and you say, I want y'all to invite me into the room so we can have a conversation, but you have a notepad keeping copious notes waiting for somebody to offend you because we're so angry, Malcolm. Do you understand hmm. the fight and the battles that it takes to get to where we are sitting there in our corner office with our Jimmy Choo's on, mad as I don't know what, of all the <laughs> battles that it took for us to get there so you never really feel like you made it because you're still bleeding from all the scars of what mm -hmm. it took to get there and you're angry. A lot of women are angry and they don't even know it. I talk to women, I'm like, you know you're angry, right? They're like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. One of my clients, I have a podcast coming out. I got her to admit, she melted the makeup and my eyelashes and all the, like all the hair off my head just melted. She was so angry, she gave me a <laughs> headache. She had no idea that she was that angry. And she said she had become so accustomed to just telling people she was okay. Because again, these are leaders that can't really mm -hmm. confess that they're having challenges. I'm okay, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, you gave me a headache while we're on the phone. She gave me a headache for real. She was so angry, she had no idea or she couldn't admit it to herself because, again, when you're everyone else's superhero, who's going to save the superhero? So that's why I call it yeah. Fight Club energy. And, and Fight, Club, Fight Club energy is keeping us out of the rooms because nobody wants to be in a room with an angry woman. I said it. Malcolm didn't say it. And the views expressed right here is the Christy Rutherford view, not <laughs> Malcolm. Oh, don't worry. We put that. You. We put that at the end of. We put that at the end of the episode. Don't you worry. But like I said, as far as like unpopular opinions, you 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 never shy away. But because I did it with coaching, is your focus more on helping people break those bad habits? Then is that essentially if I had to put a button on it? It's really one becoming aware of what you're doing. So self awareness is the key. If you mm -hmm. can't confess it yourself or to yourself that you're angry, how are you going to change that? And sometimes it takes weeks. One of my clients were talking and she said, I'm not angry. Everybody was like, <laughs> 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 I said, six women can't say that you're angry. I'm not just saying it. Six other people agree with me. Two weeks later, she said, you know what? I was bitter and angry. She had no idea because anger and bitterness is normal. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between level 11 anger and 10? Nothing. So if we're walking around <laughs> baseline at an eight. If somebody makes you mad, they're, they are going to get it, which we're often called overreacting is because we're, we start at eight. So we don't even know we're that angry, Malcolm. So I say something, we give them 11 or 12 and they say, you're overreacting. You're like, what are you talking about? So let me bring it back hmm. in and actually answer your question. So self-awareness <laughs> is number one. It's, it's not necessarily about breaking bad habits. It's about creating new habits with the awareness of how you're really showing up and what's really stopping you from getting ahead hmm. and who's really responsible. We put the power in other people's hands on us getting promoted and they are never going to manage that properly. Once you take your power back and you put your your promotion and your raise and your value in your hands and stop waiting for other people to validate and value you. I do this all day, Malcolm. $1.25 million. I can quantify it now. $1.25 million in raises in a pandemic. I can quantify it. 
all because they asked. I'm gonna have to pass the the virtual collection plate in a second after uh, a, a, pass a, it. after that one. But <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I find most interesting about your approach is that instead of teaching your clients that office politics are bad and a dirty word and to stay above the fray, you instead teach them the importance of self care. It sounds like as a means to getting better at the office politics. So that's one that I've taken away from this. That somebody said like, what's Christy really good at what's what's her focus, what's the approach. I can articulate that one as something that's unique to me from all of the different approaches that I've heard and seen and and that sort of thing. And I'm sure plenty of our listeners, men and women, are currently experiencing that stuck feeling and not sure how to snap out of it. Any additional advice that you want to throw on top of there that that I didn't succinctly capture there? Yeah, it's the it's the it's the secret sauce to success. One, meditate five minutes a day, three times a week. Mm. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's that's crazy. All my clients who got promoted, meditate. Mm. And I have a male client in, in a different country. If he doesn't meditate, he, he doesn't sleep well, he gets sick, he's liable to, to, to set it off on somebody in a very, very prominent position. Now he's good. In the pandemic, he's performed exceptionally well. But if he doesn't hmm. meditate, everything falls apart. Guided meditation is for, for, for busy people who can't quiet their minds. We need somebody to tell us to, to slow down and to breathe. Mm-hmm. Then work out three times a week. Build relationships with three people, so many men and women. Have people who say, hey, I'll mentor you. And they don't even follow up. They don't even call and follow up. We're talking to our girlfriends about why we're not moving forward, but you're not talking to the chairman of the board or you're not talking to the chief marketing officer about what you need to do to move up. So build strategic relationships with decision makers who are going to get you out of your own way and mention your name in the room when decisions are being made. Really, at the end of the day, I I want people to understand that when you own where you are, and you understand that nobody can stop you from achieving your goals with you. And then they'll say, well, Christy, I started in a different position from everybody else. And I have to work harder. Start in a position. Don't necessarily work harder, work smarter. Again, stop yeah. doing good things and only do the right things by becoming strategic. And you'll free up 60% of your time and do the work so you can ensure that the people in your family start at a better place. It's not about it's not about us, Malcolm. It's what can we do and what can we create to really create generational wealth and to change our families for for generations and then be able to impact communities and nations. So that's the whole goal. That's a whole other sermon to uh, to, to to preach on here. <laughs> but I, uh, I appreciate this, Christy. This was great. I, uh, I I'm sure given our audience, some of the folks listening to this will want to reach out to you. Where can people find you if they want more Christy after this? Oh, awesome. They can go to ChristyRutherford.com. All of my stuff is there. My programs, podcast that we've released is called Why She's Winning. And in my podcast, we've actually interviewed my clients. It's so good. So so you're going to get huh. it from women. So it's not just me by myself. My thing, oh, it's not that it's not that hard. And you have the power. I have women who've done it. And now they can come and say 
Chrissy's not as, as far out as you think she is. It, her, her system works. But then you can also get my free case study, how to pivot in your career and recession-proof your income without getting another degree. Stop getting these degrees. You can get that <laughs> at changenowwithchristy.com. Awesome. Well, I certainly appreciate you joining me here on the Tech Money Podcast. Eric with an A, go ahead and take us home, man. I'll tell you what, this was fantastic. I, I think that uh, every listener out there, thank God it's a podcast. Rewind this. Take some notes. Make a phone call. Get to a website. Whatever you need to do to to really let this information sink in. Malcolm, thank you so much for bringing her on as a guest. She was fantastic. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you just a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge, with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by top advisor marketing, Crowdmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.